0: Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid
1: Verbal, boys and girls. My name is Ty Hildebrand here in the bunker. Whoa, whoa, by the one and only Dan seen over there in New York City. Sir, how are you? I'm good. I don't know what that
0: voice was. It just uh, I felt like possessed by a demon or a spirit or something. How are you? I am I'm good. I'm I'm tired but I have energy. I've eaten poorly today. I've hung out with the little man a lot because of an adjusted schedule since both I and Jody with an I are working from home naturally. I guess now as most people hopefully are. I know it's a weird time for pretty much everybody, but as I stand here in the office, I am avoiding a plate of oranges mm. I handed her earlier in the day. The oranges are gone, but the plate remains on the floor of the Cloist. So we're all adjusting here. We are all hopefully taking measures to be safe and healthy and thoughtful. And I assume that many people listening are also and this is this is a tea up for you, Ty. Ah. isolated. isolated. Well, thank you. For that, Dan, today's no
1: show is titled "Isolation Play." Yeah. What we are doing is we are going back through the 2019 college football season. We are examining some black swan events.
0: I was going to call the show "Tiam Legend," and you can make that final decision when you're in the Art 19 Metadata yeah, Lounge. Right, right. but Tiam Legend is pretty good.
1: Black swan events, Dan. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to examine, did they occur in isolation, i.e. probably won't happen again, or did they not occur in isolation? Is it something we might see moving forward? So we got a bunch of responses from the hood out there on Twitter and Reddit, which we're going to go through. Also made up a few of our own, which I think are pretty good. I have one that I'm very excited to talk about with you. I I think you know which one that
0: is. Yeah. I'm generally the one who starts our Google Doc, and I will... Come up with topics, and whether if it's a QA, I will cut and paste all their copy paste all of the questions that we've gotten from Twitter or Reddit or Instagram or whatever. And then you jump in and make adjustments and reorder things and add subtract whatever you come in and you right. Rod Beckett, Ty. You I do. really close it out. I do, yeah. Um, and sorry, I was also listening to ACDC recently, and uh, mm. Hell's Bells came on, and I started thinking about 90s closers, and sure, really. A lot of goatees there. As one anyway, does, yeah. Yeah. Um, You really took, you spearheaded the effort for these isolated incidents of 2019. And uh, as you mentioned, we we're going to figure out if the, this 2019 occurrence, whether it was a single game, a single player, uh, a team season, is an isolated experience or if it's something that we should expect more of moving forward. And for that, I say, thanks, Ty. You're a hell of a guy.
1: Well, thank you, Daniel. I
0: appreciate that very much. Yeah. Um, Okay. As you said at the top, we have been
1: doing this thing on Instagram. If you are an Instagram user, if you want to be an Instagram user, you can follow us at Solid Verbal. We've been doing daily dispatches from our respective residences. Mm -hmm. Everyone again in the same boat here trying to establish a new normal. Starved, we presume, for college football or just weird content. And so here we are to try and fill that void a little bit more. I've been doing about 10, 15 minutes a day on the IG Live around 5 Mm p.m. Every day. Again, we're at Solid Verbal, Instagram.com slash Solid Verbal. If you want to partake in the festivities, we'll be there. We're going to be here for probably quite some time. So we would encourage you all, if you like the show, come on by. Partake in the madness with us. Also follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well. And so many of our responses today, our Black Swan events, our Time Legend responses (laughs) came via the subreddit at soliverbal.reddit.com. Our good friend Peter does a marvelous job over there keeping the conversation going long after the final bell, Dan. Did I miss anything or shall we dance?
0: No, I think this makes me a a, what a loyal and trusted German shepherd. Yes. If it's time legend. Also I totally forgot Troy Percival existed. Troy Percival, yes. That's all I have. I'm looking at a list of career leaders and saves, and he has more than you think. Let's start here. This one
1: from Josiah on Twitter. Yeah. Did it occur in isolation? Did it not occur in isolation? Alabama missing the playoffs, Daniel. What say you?
0: No. (laughs) Uh I don't know how deeply you want to get into this unless you see a very clear and present danger to Alabama's playoff hopes moving forward. They bring in the number one quarterback of this class in Bryce Young. Presumably Mac Jones has at least a a hold on the job for the the time being at quarterback, but the talent level is still extremely high. They managed to keep Sark, who called an all-time, all-time offense in terms of scoring efficiency for the Tide in 2019. I am not terribly worried about Alabama as a playoff contender, even if they they fell short this year, especially when Tua went down. He, yeah, he of course, right. was the, the signal caller against LSU, and it was Mac Jones who led the the offense against, uh, against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. But no, it was a completely isolated uh, phenomenon of Alabama being outside of the playoff conversation towards the end of the year. Can I get hot takes here for a second? I would love that. It's not usually something I do. I'm going to say
1: not in isolation. I'm going to say not in isolation. And here's why. It's not based on any real, real, you know, factors, but at some, that disclaimer, well, it's a hot take. So what the hell? I know. Good. Go with your gut. This isn't based on anything other than the fact that at some point the run has to end for Nick Saban has to end at some point sooner or later he's going to retire. Right. Presumably, well, he's a normal human with a, yeah, I don't know, a, a normal retirement planned at some point in time, right. Um, the SEC, I think, is getting better, certainly on the eastern side of the conference. It's elevating its game, what with Georgia, Florida. Um, I feel like there are a rising number of threats to that crown.
0: Are you taking tonight tonight? Are you confident in a team beating Alabama from the East in Atlanta?
1: Am I confident?
0: No, I'm not confident. (laughs) Jamie Newman in Georgia, Kyle Trask in Florida? Uh, I'm more confident, I think, in Florida. Oh, that's, I mean, it's a a more proven quarterback situation. But okay, continue. Um, I'm also really going to steer
1: hard this year into the whole Scotty Cochran thing. How... Mm -hmm. He was poached away from Alabama. I don't know why I call him Scotty, but you know, Scotty Cochran going over to Georgia now. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like, let, let me just put it here like a utility infielder. Yeah.
0: Scotty Cochran.
1: Exactly. I think there are more threats to that Alabama pedestal now than there have been at any point in the last five years. And the talent level is absolutely still there, but, um, I'm going to take the opposite side of the coin, and I'm going to say it is not happening in isolation. That it is something we will see more of over the next couple of years.
0: I mean, I I can be pretty easily talked into just you know give me some sort of give me some sort of tropical cocktail, and I could be talked into Alabama with Tua being the second best team in the country last year. Well,
1: let's not you know
0: let's not I let the facts I, get I in away. Ohio a good story, State's, Dan. Come 2019. On. I know. Um, so, yeah, well, I, I guess we disagree early on. We disagree early. Coming out I... hot
1: here. Scotty too hotty. Okay. Yeah. This one comes to us from a good friend, Dan, over on Twitter. Okay. Oh, yeah. Klobuchar. He says, Minnesota being a top 15 caliber team. In yeah. isolation, not in isolation. So, w- what I would say to this is that the offense is, again, loaded. They did lose Kurt Sharaka mm-hmm. to Penn State. But otherwise, they bring back most of their offensive skill talent, which is which is good. This will be a test, though, for P.J. Fleck, because the defense is going to be in rebuild mode, particularly in the front seven. The schedule, I think, is favorable enough that they could make another run at being, again, top 15 caliber. But suffice to say, Minnesota rising up to win, what, 11 games this past year,
0: yeah, 22 plus the bowl. Yeah.
1: Was a huge story and um, likely one that we're going to hear more about or the prospects about which we'll hear more when we enter into the 2020 season or get closer to that. Again, assuming there is one. So, where do you stand on
0: this one? So, I, I'm not looking at this exercise strictly as a 2020 viewpoint. I, it's much more big picture to me, but it, you know, your mileage may vary. I am buying Minnesota as a top 15-ish team and do not think 2019 was an isolated incident. And I'll tell you why, Ty, because that's what we're doing here today. Please tell me why. I like how they replaced Kirk Shiraka with Mike Sanford, yeah. your guy. Yep. Yeah. Did, did a very nice job as a coordinator at a couple different places. So he's calling the offense. Tanner Morgan, at worst, what, the 6th? best quarterback in the country, fifth, seventh, somewhere in there, return him. They lose Tyler Johnson, which is a big deal. Defensively, I really like the job Joe Rossi, I think it's how say pronounce it, Joe Rossi has done. He took over a couple of years ago as an interim and then did a nice job with that defense last season. I think big picture to me is you look at the crossover games in the East and they're generally going to have no more than two really tough games depending on how those powers are. I think they missed Penn State this year and Ohio State. And... I don't know if PJ Fleck is going to wear thin at a certain point, that sort of rah, rah, row the boat type thing. I don't see it happening in the short term right no. now. Right. And when I look at the West, I still see vulnerability. Don't I mean, don't you? Oh, I mean, I for was sure. always, always gonna be good. Baseline pretty good to good. Illinois, Purdue, Nebraska, Northwestern, Wisconsin's always going to be good. But what Minnesota is building towards, and this is what, year one of becoming a successful team, and I know people, myself, ourselves included, pointed to their quarterback opponent luck this year. That they played a bunch of backup quarterbacks. They obliterated those teams. It's not like if Adrian Martinez were playing for Nebraska that week that all of a sudden they're scoring thirty five more points. We have evidence that that's probably not the case with the twenty nineteen Huskers. As good as we want Nebraska to be, and so it's not like Minnesota was. I think they snuck by what Purdue, but otherwise, they were murdering teams. Yeah. So I think that's an an incredible first step. I think PJ Flex a good recruiter. I think they're going to to reload enough on defense when they lose guys and they're going to lose guys early. They're going to lose coaches. That that all comes with the territory like they did with Kirk Shiraka. I'm in. I, I think Minnesota is building to something consistent in that nine win range. And so with a standard deviation of a win or two, yeah, I think they're right there. I think they are, they're solidly in that striving territory. Wow. Hmm. I'm there. I was
1: not sold in Minnesota for most of the year. Take and down Auburn in the bowl game? Took down right. Auburn in the bowl game. Um, the Penn State game, obviously, is one that I paid pretty close attention to. They've got pretty interesting skill talent. You know I'm yeah,
0: really Rashad all Bateman in on Rashad yeah. Bateman.
1: Yeah. So I, I am inclined to agree with you. Where I sort of get hung up, though, is that top 15 qualification if you told me as a top 25 team consistently, I would say definitely not in isolation. I feel I feel very confident about that, but top 15 is a bit of a bridge too far. So, so for that reason, for that yeah. reason only, I say isolation, but um, I don't feel particularly confident one way or the other. So I could be swayed.
0: So, after, if we're talking about top 15, what, before conference championship games, is that probably the most accurate measure? Yeah. When everybody has the same record, there are one, two, three, three lost teams in the top 16. So, if we're saying top 15 ish, we're talking about a nine and three ish team. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, Iowa, Michigan, and Auburn. I'll finish the regular season pre-conference championship week with three losses and finished right there in that top 15-ish territory.
1: Moving on. Okay. This one comes to us from Brian on Twitter. Trevor Lawrence's down performances in the National Championship and against North Carolina
0: Dan. Yeah. Isolation, not isolation. <sighs> This one's a little bit more difficult. So, if we're going to be specific about, instead of North Carolina, because Clemson does not play North Carolina every year because they're in different ACC divisions, a a down Trevor Lawrence conference game and a shaky performance against a nation's elite team. Correct. I think I'm kind of there, which means he is simply... Really, 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 really good <laughs> instead of the best of the best. So you are you are there in that it did not occur in isolation. Yeah, I think there is. And we saw it from Deshaun Watson each year and another really, 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 good quarterback, if not great, which Trevor Lawrence, I think, is right there between the many reallys and great. I think I I think when you look at the ACC trending in an upwards direction, I like the Boston College hire. I like what Louisville's doing. I certainly like what North Carolina's doing. Miami should have a good defense. Should Clemson cross over with them? I don't have the Clemson schedule in front of me. Maybe you can pull it up as I as I babble this this uh, was it Lagarea? Yeah, um, yeah. I think most quarterbacks toss in a clunker, and most quarterbacks have a really tough time. Against defenses peaking like LSU's and Ohio State's were in the the championship game. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is bulletproof. No, I don't think
1: anyone is. So this this year's schedule has road games at Florida State and at Notre Dame, which, you know, interesting. Florida State will have to wait and see, but the Notre Dame one first week of November should be intriguing. Sure. The other games are at home. Most of the other games are at home. So it's it's a favorable schedule again, I think, for the most part, for Trevor Lawrence. You, you brought up an interesting point, though. And how many guys are truly infallible? Joe Burrow this year may have had the best season of a quarterback yeah. of all time. He sure. was virtually infallible this past year. And still had stretches
0: against Auburn
1: that weren't great. Had stretches. By the way, we're going to talk about Joe Burrow and LSU as a whole, right. whether or not that was an isolation. But... You know, like, I look at those games, and sure, Clemson didn't blow the doors off UNC. They won the game by one. But Trevor Lawrence did not throw an interception in that game. He didn't throw an interception in the championship game, either. He didn't right. look himself. He was certainly a bit off. Clumped but, out
0: of the gate against Louisville, but then was amazing thereafter. I
1: just think we're so used to seeing Trevor Lawrence play to extraordinary heights that to see him not get to that same level on the grandest of college football stages Mm -hmm. is a bit underwhelming. Like you probably would have taken that performance if you were most other teams, even though it wasn't electric, you, you still would have taken that.
0: He didn't go out there.
1: He didn't lose the game for his teams in the LSU game in the title. They were down. He had a throw, right? There was only so much he could do. The North Carolina one was just, they were stuck in the mud, maybe looking ahead, who knows? But, I I am willing to kind of grant him those two performances in isolation and say that I still think he's the number one overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. He's still the best quarterback in college football, and I don't read too deeply into it.
0: Next item.
1: Next topic. We've got a fun one here for the Pac-12 fans out there. Washington State versus UCLA, the black swan event of black swan events in college football. So you remember At the time that this game took place, UCLA was very down on its luck. It was not not seeming as if things were going to go in Chip Kelly's direction. And in large part, they didn't. But this game kind of came out of left field in that UCLA put up 67 points, won a wild shootout game, (laughs) 67-63 to over Wazoo, Dan. Yes. This one comes to us from Max on Twitter. Um, So look, anytime you've got a game... With the 130 total points. I think that's sort of in isolation. Like that is not Good something quick that mass, we see. By the way. Oh, thank you. That we see a whole lot of. But um, I guess UCLA scoring 67 points. Is that something that occurs in isolation?
0: Yeah, actually, I wasn't even thinking about it like that. I was thinking about it in terms of could these defenses be similarly awful <laughs> in 2020 and beyond? My answer to that is yes. Yes. So I I would say that it's not isolated. That degree of points, though, yeah, it does hinge on UCLA's offense, which I think will continue to improve. So I'm going to say not isolated. In terms of the wild variance of a season, UCLA should have it once again. They finished the year keeping Cal under 30, allowing 52 and 49 on the road to USC in Utah. They... I randomly, I mean, I guess Stanford was down, so they, they had random OK performances on defense against, you know, not great teams in the Pac-12. But you look at what Hawaii was able to do on defense last year under Nick Rolovich. Well, he was the head coach, but it wasn't much. It's not like I expect, I don't think anybody really expects in Pullman that the Washington State defense is going to take an enormous leap forward with what should be another very efficient and probably more balanced offense under Nick Rolovich. And I don't think there's much reason to believe in any sort of grand improvement on defense for UCLA moving forward. So I'm going to say there is a very good chance that if we see an absolutely bonkers late-night Pac-12 game with 100-plus total points scored, that there's a good chance that it involves either Or both of UCLA and Washington State once again.
1: I don't have a strong point to counter yours, so I'm just going to say I agree, and I'm going to move on. Okay, let's go over to Reddit. This one comes to us about our boy Mikhail (laughs) Cunningham from (gasps) Woolville about Scott Satterfeld. The text of
0: this post here, Satterfield, as it were. What did I say? Feld. I like that, though. Your mind's on the Oregon strength and conditioning program. Continue. What an incredible
1: turnaround in one season from a program in the dumps. Satterfield (laughs) and Cunningham could be really special together in a totally vulnerable conference minus the Big Orange Tiger. So, okay, we're talking about Louisville. We're talking about their seven and five season. We're talking about whether or not it happened in isolation, I guess. So
0: Yeah let's, this, let's break down what this means.
1: Yeah, let's let's try to figure this out. Is this something that you felt was a fluke? I guess is how I'll phrase it.
0: So what I suppose Louisville is hoping for Louisville no. is to be a more southern Minnesota. With
1: Southern Minnesota, okay.
0: Southern Minnesota. In that, I don't have Louisville's schedule in front of me, but uh, whoever submitted this says, and claims there are only two definite losses. There on are the
1: only two. Schedule. Yeah, that's me.
0: Two definite losses. So oh, I, okay. I,
1: I looked at the schedule, and it, I think, is pretty favorable for Louisville. The two losses that I am just giving them right out of the chute mm-hmm. are at Clemson's second week of the year. They'll fight him, but at Clemson, second week of the year, I think is a loss. Mm -hmm. And um, I think at Notre Dame, second to last week of the year. But otherwise, you know, like the schedule isn't easy, but it's not the kind that jumps out at me and says, wow, this is impossible. Like you can win on the road at Syracuse and at Boston College. You can win at home against Florida State because Florida State's in transition. Virginia Tech at home is a tough game. But it is at home, so I think it's doable at Virginia, who knows Wake Forest uh you can win that game. can you beat Kentucky at home? had a rough time with the cats last year, Tyler had a rough time last year, but <laughs> can you beat Kentucky at home? Yeah, you could beat Kentucky at home. so I like it's not an
0: impossible schedule, so it's there for him again. um I am going to say that until proven otherwise. I think Louisville is probably going to stay around where they are. And that's has nothing to do with, and I don't know if it's this was intended, it has nothing to do with Mikael Cunningham and Scott Satterfield. I think as a combination, the fireworks between them and what that offense could be was not an isolated incident in 2019. I think we should see more of that over the next year or two years, hopefully, if we get that much from Mikael Cunningham. What I'm worried about is that defense was god-awful last mm-hmm. year. Now. It's year one or year zero, as it were, with how low they fell under Bobby Petrino. Scott Satterfield always had a very good eye and had a very good plan and idea for what he wanted from his App State defenses. And he had a good eye for coordinators. And I think the Louisville defensive staff, Louisville, is capable of turning this into an above average defense. And in that case... 7-5 Seven and five becomes an isolated 2019 incident. Mm. But Mikhail Cunningham is down, I believe, both of his full-time starting tackles. The there's a lot of I, what I assume to be open position battles whenever we get to see football again on defense, because that's what happens when your defense is probably one of the worst, I don't know, 30, 35 in the country. So I I'm gonna say not um I'm gonna say not isolated. I, I think there is a lot of room for growth, but there's no reason to believe that they are definitely a nine and three, ten and two type program big picture right now. Interesting. Yeah. Love McHale. Love McHale. Yeah.
1: Oh, he's he's my boy.
0: Um oh, now he is? Yeah, he's always been. Okay. Just making sure.
1: I don't think it was an isolated incident. I think that seven and five. I think the point of the question. Is not seven and five. I think the point of the question is that Louisville had a much, much better year in 2019 than anyone expected. And he's asking, like, was that a fluke or should we expect more good years?
0: So, I mean, it's relative to what you believe good is for Louisville.
1: Relative to what you believe good is. Yeah. I I do not think it was an isolated incident. I've always believed in Scott Satterfield, Satterfeld. (laughs) Whatever whatever uh, nomenclature yeah, yeah. you'd like to use. I've I've always believed in him. I think they've got something with Mikhail Cunningham now, now that he's changed his name and feels sure. more comfortable with himself as a human. Yeah. I think and they Noma got Malik. something there. I know the defense is a bit of an issue, but I think he knows it, Scott Satterfeld. Field. I think he knows. <laughs> just think about Fieldy from Corinthi. I'm just gonna mix these up all year now, aren't I?
0: Um yeah, they were they finished 113th in rushing SP plus and ninetieth. In passing, SP plus they allowed they were 103rd in big explosive plays allowed and finished overall 100th in defensive SP plus. I anticipate that going into the probably 60s 70s this year, bare minimum. So, yeah, I am, no, I, I am I'm I, confident as a program. They I think will
1: I think they are going improve. in a good direction. Okay, and so I would expect more winning campaigns. Next item. Next item. Kyle Trask quietly being one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. The respondent here from Reddit says, I couldn't care less about the arm strength, but Florida's offensive staff was great at creating mismatches before the snap. Trask was great at identifying and exploiting them. Uh, I would also add Dan. He threw for 25 touchdown passes. He had the second best yards per game metric in terms of SEC quarterbacks. That is behind one Joseph Burrow, who threw 60 touchdown passes and won the Heisman Trophy, in addition to the national championship.
0: Wait, Kyle Trask had more yards per game than Tua? Yes, he did. Is that what I'm saying? Okay. I will go back and double-check that, but... Okay. I believe that's accurate, so... Oh, it is. Yeah. Uh, maybe because Tua was not eligible. That's what it appears to be. Probably. Continue. Tomatoes, continue. tomato. Yeah. What are your thoughts here on Kyle
1: Trask? Um... I, I will add a little bit more context and say he is a guy that we definitely dogged because of the arm strength.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, it had nothing to do with his actual production no. ability. It was just Tom no. throw Kyle.
1: But it became evident as the year wore on that the coaching staff knew how to coach him. Yeah. They knew how to use him. They knew what he was good at. And they put him in, I think, a really good position to succeed. Completed something like 66% of his passes which as a first-year starting quarterback is pretty damn good. Yeah. And, um, you know, Felipe Franks is transferring, which tells you a lot about where the state of the quarterback position is headed in 2020 for Florida. So it they certainly believe in him. Felipe Franks obviously believes in him. And um, the numbers are there to support him as being a very good quarterback in 2019.
0: So um, if I'm to try to interpret this correctly, the isolated part of... The Kyle Trask 2019 is that it was very quiet and Tua did finish with, I think, 60 more yards per game, but was just not eligible because he only played in, I think, nine games. Um, so even still, that's th- it's fine. Kyle Trask had a good year. He's full on good. I don't think Kyle Trask is going to take anybody by surprise in 2020 and beyond. I do not think Kyle Trask's success was isolated to 2019. So I'm going to say not isolated. Because especially with the landscape of quarterbacks and proven success in the conference, Dan says, referencing Jamie Newman without saying Jamie Newman's name, I, I Kyle Trask might is he the best returning quarterback in the SEC? I think so. Yeah, I mean there's Mac Jones, Jamie Newman. We'll see what happens in that Georgia system. I don't think it's anybody else in the East. Uh, I I think Kellen Mond is fine. Alabama fans always seem to be a little bit scared of him, but yeah, I'm, I think, I don't think there's anything underrated about Kyle Trask anymore.
1: No, I, I so tend to say agree. Not isolated. I tend to agree. I don't think it's an isolation either. I think it's
0: properly rated.
1: Yeah. Earlier in the year, I would have said isolation. This is, this is a fluke. This is a black swan, but no, sure. I don't think anymore. I think Dan Mullen knows how to coach the quarterback position. He just does. And he will find a way to coach him up, continue putting him in positions to succeed. Next item. Final Reddit item here before we move to a couple that I came up with on my own. Yep. LSU having possibly the best season ever in all of college football in 2019. That so. is what that is what
0: our topic is here. Um, <laughs> I assume the intention of this is not will LSU just continue to one-up itself and have the greatest season ever year over year over year? Right. Yes, yeah. correct. Okay. Correct.
1: Um. The respondent adds a little bit of his or her own context, mm-hmm. saying they won't ever do it again. New quarterback, almost all new coaches, still the same competition. They're going to go eight and four. The fan base is going to enter a deep depression. And... Honestly, that's about what they should do. Okay. So, like, 8-4 in the SEC West is obviously not LSU standards at this point, given the no. fact that they had such an incredible run. I think totally understandable, given the fact that there is so much turnover, especially losing one Joseph Burrow, Joe Dirt, Joe Brady. You guys mm-hmm. are gone. But is LSU back, let me rephrase the question oh, as I like such: that. Are they back?
0: <sighs> so yeah, so we're saying was 2019 with LSU as obviously the the elite of the elite was that limited to 2019 or is this yeah. a conversation we should be having about LSU? Yes, these next 30 years of Ed Orgeron coaching the Tigers, right? I'm going to say it's not isolated. I'm not saying they're having you know, the most incredible season after the most incredible season and so forth. And I'm not going to say that he is going to keep finding 30-year-old Wunderkind. That's, that's German type. Authentic German. Uh, thank you. Passing game coordinators to pair with Steve Ensminger to really take the offense to a new level because he just hired Scott Linehan to help run the offense. So right. that worries me a little bit. But my argument of LSU being back to LSU, or at least the hopes and dreams of LSU fan fans, the argument is you can't win a national championship without knowing what you're doing. You can't stumble into a national championship. I trust Ed Orgeron to coach LSU to more playoff appearances because of the infrastructure, the staff, the ability to convince those above him to pay for X, Y, and Z, the ability to recruit at a top five to seven level nationally, uh, perhaps some of the the change in the SEC and the SEC West specifically, LSU is, we'll see with quarterback, but I think they're going to keep finding skill talent like they are always able to do even when the offense struggles They returned the Bolitnikov forward-winning receiver in Jamar Chase this year for, I assume, Miles Brennan, but we'll see. They have two blue-chip backups behind him, last I checked. And there is so much about an ability to hire, to maintain, to, to sort of install and maintain a culture that I think Ed Orgeron has done at LSU. It would surprise me if we're not talking about LSU as a playoff contender Deep into November, most years.
1: Yeah, the the interesting, I think, transformation on the LSU side came from Ed Orgeron recognizing that he needed to fix the offense and being savvy enough to go out and find a way to do it. Sure. You know, like we've heard that same line year in and year out. It's part of the reason we both were very skeptical about this past season being LSU's year. Mm -hmm. Clearly, Ed Orgeron figured something out. Clearly, he spotted a deficiency. He knew enough to go out there and fix it, fill the void. So at least in that sense, I think he grew as a coach, and that should make LSU fans very excited. What they saw this past year was, to some extent, an anomaly. I don't know if you're ever going to have another quarterback put in the kind of season that Joe Burrow did. That might be in isolation. That was truly one of the great seasons in college football history. It's just not a reasonable
0: expectation year in and year out. And and if you gave anybody in the LSU uh, facility truth serum, there's not one person who said, oh yeah, that w- that's something that we expected of Joe Burrow no. when, he, when he transferred here. We saw that potential. We nobody saw that saw, ceiling. Hey, nobody saw that. You didn't even right. see it after the 2018 season. For
1: sure. We saw a quarterback in Joe Burrow who was very good in big spots, but was it nearly the caliber quarterback we saw in 2019 he's going to no. be the first pick in the 2020 draft right so like nobody in their right mind expects that that's going to not be in isolation moving forward but LSU as a contender is is interesting you know if i'm going to be consistent remember i answered at the top that it wasn't in isolation that alabama missed the playoffs i don't think it's in isolation either that lsu is going to remain a contender because I trust in Ed O just like you do. And I trust in the talent coming into Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. I think he's sort of figured things out now. That's the kind of coach who's going to be at LSU until they drag him out of there until, until he's like no longer vertical. He loves that job. He loves that place. And if you're an LSU fan, you gotta be pretty excited about what he saw. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you.
0: Something also important to remember when, You know, it's easy to talk about LSU's struggles attracting and developing top-flight quarterbacks. Nobody does it until they do. Exactly. Alabama wasn't rolling killers out there until they did, until they found Tua. And listen, listen, listen. Listen. Greg McElroy, A.J. McCarron, Blake Sims, Jake Coker, all fine. I think many, if not all of them, Blake Sims didn't, won national championships. You look at Ohio State quarterbacks, they didn't have killers until they did. You look at Clemson quarterbacks. They didn't have killers until they did. LSU didn't. I mean, I like Zach Mettenberger. I do. But they didn't have a true killer until they did. And what what's going to happen now is high school freshmen, high school sophomores, high school juniors watch what the, the position that Joe Burrow was put in in Baton Rouge. And they think to themselves, huh. Huh. huh? I can see myself having some fun there. I can see that in the same way Trevor Lawrence saw Deshaun Watson do it. In the same way Bryce Young saw Tua Tongue of Iloa do it. You don't have a killer until you do.
1: That is a perfect segue into maybe my favorite question that I've ever asked on the show. Um, Part of the reason why I think we've got the Top College Football Podcast Across all the podcasting. We sphere.
0: definitely are eligible to be named that.
1: Daniel, as you know, LSU won its national championship playing in New Orleans. It was a effectively a, a home field advantage for the Bayou Bengals, right? One of my favorite places in the world. It not effectively, it it was. Very rarely does that happen where you've got sort of a home field advantage for a team playing in a championship game. Mm-hmm. Right true is this something that occurred in isolation or something that looking out at the next four years of college football playoff championship games you could see happening again so lsu played again virtual home game in new orleans the next four college football playoff national championship games are in south florida in 2021 Mm -hmm. in indianapolis In 2022, we can talk about that, (laughs) in L.A. in 2023, and Houston, Texas in 2024. Okay. So I guess the larger question is, will there be a participant from one of those states playing, in effect, a home game in the College Football Playoff National Championship, or was what we saw out of LSU this year truly in isolation?
0: Um, Well, first of all, the last item tweeted by a confirmed person on Twitter was January 13th. I looked up, quote, virtual home game, end quote, and it is about LSU. (laughs) So I'm glad you used that phrasing. Thank Um, Thank you. So 2021 South Florida. So the virtual home games involved there would be, I guess, the three big Florida schools, Miami, Florida, Florida State.
1: Yes, and Miami and Florida State are not making the title game, so this one's all on the Gators.
0: It's all on the Gators, and by South Florida, I assume the game is in Miami. It's not necessarily that close to Gainesville. Right. But I I guess, relatively speaking, I'm going to say, so this is 2021 for the 2020 season? Yeah, right right okay so this is early january 2021 not the 2021 season itself correct um i'm going to say no for 2021 indianapolis 2022 i'll defer to you since i suppose and i know some midwestern cities are closer than we realize to each other but indiana notre dame purdue and indiana state (laughs) i (laughs) don't know I, it would be uh, Notre Dame in all. It would be know. Notre Dame most likely. Yes. Um. Twenty twenty three. Los Angeles. UCLA. USC. Yeah. I don't think you can call Bay Area schools virtual home game. Um. And neither of the Bay Area major schools are going to go. Uh. I don't. Arizona schools are closer than you realize, I suppose. But no. Twenty
1: twenty four in Houston is the one that I'm I'm building to. Will Texas be back? In the 2023, Why is Texas the home? it's Texas A and M. Well, Texas A and M is is truly the
0: home game. That's the home game of all home games. The distance from Baton Rouge to Houston, Ty, I think you are. Uh, so it's 268 miles. Okay, four hour drive. The distance from Austin to Houston, I imagine it's shorter, but I don't think it's that much shorter. 162 miles, about a hundred miles closer. So certainly closer baton rouge i think than dallas right for tcu smu okay, okay so dallas to houston is 239 so it's right around the same as baton rouge so i'm gonna say because of the number of louisiana and new orleans transplants that currently live in houston i would say i am saying that an lsu national championship appearance in houston is a virtual home game So, between LSU, A&M, and Texas, three teams that recruited a high level, yeah, I'm going to say that's not likely, but it's in the realm of possibility, sure. I think it happened in isolation.
1: This is so hard to do. So hard to do. How many Super Bowls have we looked at? And said, wow, we could see it happening where it's a home game and it never is. This is so hard. Isn't it
0: going to happen for Tampa Tom this year in the NFL? No,
1: they have no defense. No defense. Okay. So it's like so hard of a thing to have happen. I just, I, on paper now, a couple years um, in the future, sure, it's a possibility, but this almost never happens. I say in isolation.
0: I would love to go out to LA in 2023 and Houston in 2024. And I I have no interest in probably going to the games, but eating and doing shows from there, maybe a live show or two. Yeah, okay. So, I'm still enthusiastic about the possibility.
1: I have two more here, Dan. All right, let's do them. Simply, Baylor's 11-win season.
0: I think Baylor is going to remain a pretty successful program. I think 2019 was a very specific culmination of the Matt Rule era that coincided with a lot of change in the Big 12 and the Bears coming into their own I'm going to say isolated doesn't mean I don't think they could be an 8-9 win program under Dave Aranda I just I, I think Matt Rule is special I was bummed when Oregon didn't get him I know at the last second he decided to go with Baylor over the Ducks and so I'm going to say isolated 2019 with as much as they're replacing moving forward with as much as or just the, the idea that I I don't see an obvious stud quarterback at Baylor for Larry Fedora right now. Open to change. I I'm gonna say that was isolated. I
1: I think it's isolated in that it was an 11 win season. But sure. as a comfortable ball team moving forward, that is not an isolation. I think Baylor will be just fine. I like Dave Aranda's hires. I like so how super to
0: striving. If our if we're going to use our yeah
1: super here. to striving. Sure, I okay. I like I like the infrastructure that he's put in place. I think Matt Rule did a good job building that program back up.
0: Um, I mean, we'll see. We don't know.
1: Yeah, and I we will see. I do think if Dave Aranda can continue building a top flight defense, especially in the Big Twelve, that could serve as a competitive advantage. It's still like there are programs around the Big Twelve that have gotten better defensively. Sure. But it still is not the calling card. You think of Big 12, you think of high-powered offense. If he can, in fact, build a tough, gritty defense the way Matt Rule was building at Baylor, that, that can serve as a real advantage. So, Hold
0: on. First of all, you mean the Phil Snow advisory? The yes. Phil Snow advisory, <laughs> of you. course. Um, yeah. I mean, Dave is going to have a lot more than just the defense to look over. As you know...
1: He will. He will, but... He's gone out. He's hired a defensive coordinator who is very much like minded, but actually yeah, yeah, his mentor. Roberts, yeah. Right. So I'm I'm bullish on Baylor remaining at a very high bull eligible level, eight and four, nine and three level. Sure. I don't know about 11 wins. So 11 wins is tough to replicate.
0: Yeah. Late November Thanksgiving playoff conversation. I think we're going to have to postpone about Baylor final
1: one here as we talk about Big 12. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, as you know, we had a very popular Fantasy Things item. You had it, actually, <laughs> yeah. this past year. Guys being labeled as having a little bit of Baker Mayfield in them. Guys being dudes. Our friend Bill Barnwell, I believe he used it in one of his yeah. recent columns in the NFL. I just saw
0: Bill. He visited the quarantine. Did he do that on purpose? Um, What do you mean? Oh, the little bit of Baker Mayfield? He probably did, right? I didn't plant that. Okay. So either he listened to our fantasy things show and enjoyed it or just has a has a has a pulse for the the football conversation so i want to know as this
1: particular comparison rose to prominence this past year mm-hmm. i want to know if it happened in isolation that it became the go-to quarterback comparison or not in isolation and by that i mean it will be supplanted by quarterbacks who are now compared to Patrick Mahomes being so you know Super Bowl winning quarterback MVP will there be more quarterbacks that have a little bit of Pat Mahomes in them or more quarterbacks that have a little bit of Kyler Murray in them or maybe even Tim Tebow for a throwback what do you think will be the go-to quarterback comparison will it be Baker Mayfield still or will it slowly shift to someone like Patrick Mahomes
0: so I don't think it'll be Baker Mayfield because that was coming on the heels of him having a Heisman year and then a really promising rookie year in the NFL. Okay. And then I th- he didn't play as well this past year, right? No. No, what about I, I, what about Joe Burrow? I think you could see comparisons to the the sort of path Joe, Joe Burrow took where like he, it didn't work out at his original backup school and, school where he was a backup and then maybe a school hire a new coach. and they. I don't think Joe Burrow has that same sort of, because Baker Mayfield was a known high-quality quarterback in college for so long that people became aware of him as both a quarterback and as a personality and, you know, he's fiery and frisky, whatever, planting the flag that, you know, his teammates rally around him. I don't know if there is a specific all-encompassing quarterback that is going to get Baker Mayfield-esque comparisons. Like, not Kyler Murray, not you know, t- as Tim Tebow did in years past? Patrick Mahomes maybe if a, a guy is sort of scrambling to buy time and has an absolute cannon for an arm, but even still, Patrick Mahomes is a pretty like, subdued guy, right? Right. He's just sort of happy and uh, is seems pretty chill personality wise. So I don't know who that would be. Trevor Lawrence is just sort of on an even keel. Tua didn't have a huge personality on the field celebrating but nothing crazy like Baker Mayfield so i don't know who that who that that you know that flag is uh that that has been planted that this is the next type of guy this right. is the next guy to be this type of guy on the football field grabbing his crotch planting flags doing what playing in an intramural game just that type of over the topness i don't know who that is who is it i don't know who are the returning really impressive quarterbacks or that are just leaving quarterbacks? Justin Herbert's not that. Justin guy, Herbert. Right? I mean, you could have a little bit of Sam Howell.
1: I don't know if he's quite got no,
0: no, not yet. No. the heights
1: of Baker Mayfield, but Sam Howell has been interesting. He was a freshman. He had a great campaign. He's
0: got a little bit of Jordan Love
1: to him. A little bit of Jordan. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's really tough to find that guy, which is why I asked the question. Has anyone right. supplanted baker mayfield i think we've heard about patrick mahomes and we've heard about others in the past i actually think the comparison if we're gonna stick with that particular formula is okay we're gonna hear less about a little bit of baker mayfield and we're gonna hear more about a little bit of joe brady as it relates to rising highly thought of assistant coaches that's what we're gonna hear more of
0: yeah i think i am I'm on that same page because I'm looking right now at the the most efficient quarterbacks, and they're either good, but we don't have a sense for their personality nationally. We saw Baker Mayfield in the playoff. We saw Baker Mayfield against Ohio State a couple times. <sighs> I yeah, I don't I don't see that type of insta fame and personality recognition from from these names. So I I don't think it's going to be a good off for a little bit kind of thing. Fair Sorry. enough. So isolated. Baker Mayfield is his own energy source.
1: I think that's right. That's it. I think that's what we're saying. Yeah. Baker Mayfield is cold fusion. There it is. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun. No, that's all I got. That's all I got for now. Um, Okay. Write in to solidverbal at gmail.com. Let us know your isolation, not isolation plays. We'd love to talk more about these. I think this is a fun topic. And certainly as we're going to remain in isolation forevermore. It is something we could revisit as part of a volume 2. If you're open have to it. Have you
0: been it. working out?
1: Me? No.
0: Yeah. Going for runs or some
1: sort no, of I know it looks exercise it. Indoors. I know the video that we've I know it looks it, but it's just the it's jaw the is unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Okay. Not the case. I have on and off. I'm not nearly as good as I should be.
1: I would like to. I need to do more of it, but I just, you know, I haven't been able.
0: I'm going to leave you with this Ty. please, before you you go on to probably more important things. Uh, for the first time in my life, I am tasked with the sole responsibility of a very small human. Mm. Uh, normally, we have child care for the solid baby, solid toddler, but we don't because of the the quarantine isolation. Is he now so, the solid toddler? I, I, I don't know what. I mean, a toddler toddles and sort of walks along and walks around, whereas the solid son only does that with furniture, right? So now.
1: he's he's one, right? He's a little bit over one.
0: A little older than one. So all I'm going to say is nothing makes you feel like what you do, what I do, what most people do is less important than we thought. (laughs) Than having to raise a child (laughs) solo and not being able to go outside or to go to classes or the park or anything like that, especially for any extended period of time. I, I know there have been talks of stim, stimuli, stimuluses, stimuli. I My personal belief, and this isn't because I'm doing it, is that anybody who is a stay-at-home child care provider should be a no-doubt millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> because it is so impressive and tiring and incredible and demanding that... Whether you're a teacher, whether you're a child care professional, whether you just take care of your kids all day and that's your job, holy hell, are you the best of us. (laughs) Holy hell. That's all. That's all. And it's been three days. (laughs) So this is (laughs) your Jordan. Three
1: days. This is your Jordan flu podcast is what this is.
0: Yeah, I... It's essentially that, but also you know the there's like a meme where it's like watches movie once and then is suddenly fully yeah that's how I am now with okay. with parenting all day at home where it's just like well what do you normally do when you're not taking care of your kid like digital marketing like okay who cares that doesn't that doesn't do anything right care tie okay these are our heroes that's all well have to say it's now.
1: it's very fitting because a lot of folks find themselves in that situation now yeah at home i don't want to say stuck at home but no but homeschooling obviously
0: kids are home from school
1: you're at you're at home you're with the family you're with the kids with the pup whatever it's it's definitely an interesting time to be alive we appreciate that you spent an hour with us talking college football listening to our madness we would encourage you please write on in solverball@gmail.com follow us on our social channels Stay tuned nightly. We're going to be doing dispatches from our respective bunkers here as we see through this whole episode. Hope everyone's doing okay. Please do wash your hands. Please do stay safe. Please do not hoard all the toilet paper. It's still important that we have some on What's the shelves. What's your TP, sitch? I'm good for now. Yeah, I'm good.
0: Yeah, same. Yeah,
1: I'm okay, good for now, good. but just stay safe out there. Come on back tomorrow. Come on back in a week. We'll talk more college football hopefully keep you distracted from the ways of the world. But in the meantime, for that guy over there, my good friend, Dan Rubenstein, for myself, Ty Hildebrand, we will talk to you soon. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, all your weekend. And again, wash your hands
0: and stay safe. Yeah. Get some sleep, eat vitamin C things, and peace.